0: Nothing Owed. Nothing
1: Owed. Nothing Owed. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. Listen along as accomplished guests discuss success and failures during their journeys as entrepreneurs, business owners, and investors. Bettering your position starts by learning from those who went before you. That learning experience can happen anywhere, in the car, at the beach, or on a treadmill. There are no excuses for where you end up in life. If you want something bigger, the time to take action is now. There is no better time in history to achieve success. The hosts, Brian and Stu, are both Marine Corps veterans who believe life is what you make it. Your place in life is determined by your decisions. If you want more information on the podcast, please check out the website at nothingowed.com. No BS stands for Nothing Ode with Brian and Stu. That's what you're going to get with the show. Are you ready?
2: Hey everybody, Stu and Brian on the Nothing Ode podcast. Welcome back. Today I got one of my good friends. He's got a great story. I think everybody can take a little something from it. His name's Joe Hagan. He hails from my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> Joe's staying there, and he owns his own business that's called All Decked Out. But despite all his success, I know Joe as a, as a young guy that went through some trials and tribulations, also served in the military, and uh, we just got a lot to talk about. So first of all, Joe, thanks for being on the show.
0: Thanks for having me on, Stu. I really appreciate
2: it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Joe, so I got a lot I want to get to. Can you just um, start, you know, you graduate high school. What were your ambitions? What did you want to do? And kind of take me through from the beginning of the story of of graduating high school. Me and Joe graduated from the same high school around 2000. uh, And and what did you want to do? And where did you go from there?
0: Well, first, I wanted to go to uh, college because I really didn't have a any idea of what I wanted to do. So I enrolled at the University of Cincinnati. Um, I didn't party at all. I'm just kidding. I partied a lot. And so I realized it was time to uh, get serious in my life. And, and, you know, that's when I met the Navy recruiter and actually went into the uh, Navy. Uh, I was on board USS Wasp. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much um, Yep. didn't really have any entrepreneurship drive at, at that time. I just, everybody else was going to college. So I thought that was for me. And I uh, just realized I was not fit for it. Yep. So
2: I remember I went, to, I went to the University of Cincinnati also for a while. And I actually moved out to Virginia Beach when I graduated University of Cincinnati. And despite mm-hmm. having finished college, I still had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and i had to get away from cincinnati because i was kind of running hard too and i met a girl went out there my old buddy joe was out there and we we lived in a townhouse together joe was kind of finishing up his enlistment when the wasp was in port he was there kind of just going to the office which was the ship every day uh but joe where where this story really starts to get interesting is towards the end of your career so you're coming at towards the end of your enlistment you're in norfolk virginia just yeah. talk to me about you Deciding to get out and and what you wanted to do when you got out, because like you just said, didn't have a lot of entrepreneurial goals at that time. So just talk me from there.
0: Yeah, so when I was in the towards the end of my enlistment in the Navy, I met a guy named Paul Finch who had his own deck and fence company, and I you know didn't have much money when I was in the military, so I decided uh, I'm going to work with him. Um, and when I was out working with him, I just loved it. I love working with my hands, Love, you know, the, the clients coming out at the end and just in all of the work. Um, and he, he was really good at like educating people on different products and the pros and cons of different things. So I, I kind of learned a lot from him. and was like, you know what? I, I could really get into uh, building, you know, things for people or, and really enjoy it. And so that was kind of always in the back of my mind. So I got out of the military uh, I went back to Cincinnati, where we grew up, and got a job doing environmental work. I was traveling all the time. I hated it. Uh, I was living in hotels, um, and then I got in a little bit of trouble. So um, when I was in the military, I decided not, um, it would have been a good idea to actually get married. Um, you know, illegally, basically. Um, if, if you're in the military, you get a housing allowance you either live in this like coffin on the ship or um, if you get married you can you know live off base so me being young and dumb I decided it was a good idea to uh, marry a girl for you know benefits and uh, when I was home you know after the, the military uh, about a year later um, they I got arrested and had to go do time in, in federal prison which is uh, not something that was in the in the plan but it happened, you know, it was one of those things where at the time it was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And, you know, it was devastating. I was trying to get my life on track. And then um, now looking back on it, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if that wouldn't have happened. It really changed my whole perspective on life. Like, hey, life's short, you know, it's time to go get it. You know, I, I was, you know, in prison for nine months. I decided, you know, I gotta work harder than everybody else to get out there and, and prove I can, you know, do this. And, you know, it also, motivated me when the judge said you know good luck getting a job when you get out one of those things and I'm hard-headed and you know in my head I'm like well give me 10 years and we can compare checkbooks that's just kind of my competitiveness and my um I guess stubbornness to to be successful but um that's kind of it, it got a little crazy there but
2: yeah, yeah. Joe, hey, I really appreciate you sharing that. I I know I planted the seed with the question yeah. when we were talking offline, but I didn't want to ask you directly. And the reason I I'm just like really impressed that you went through that is because I think every single one of us has mm-hmm. had something that we failed at, made a poor choice, and you know it's not necessarily what you do when things are going well. It's the resiliency and what you do when things are down and how you bounce back that I think truly measures success. And so that's why I really was excited to have you on the show because you know I saw you as this young fun crazy guy but not thinking a lot about the future. I guess I'll go to college everyone else's uh, not really working Tried the Navy did well at the Navy, but then you know trying to make a little extra money and get into this marriage situation where you end up doing <laughs> nine years of prison and then have nine months, these nine things, months, nine months. <laughs> you got this thing on your record that makes makes then getting out uh, the transition even that much harder. And so now this is where the story just gets amazing. So like, I remember coming back home to Cincinnati, Ohio and seeing you and you had just gotten out of prison and, you know, you had been through the Navy, you successfully served, minus mm-hmm. that uh, thing we just discussed, and you yeah. were working like, like minimum wage. I can't remember what the job was, but you were like, yeah, I gotta yeah. figure something out. Can you talk yeah. to me from from that point?
0: Yeah, so I, I, I got out of uh, prison. Um, I got a job doing environmental work. I knew another guy that had a, a felony on his record. So I, I reached out to him while I was in prison. Uh, to, to get myself set up. So when I got out, I, I was ready to work, you know. And then uh, I was blessed to uh, have had that opportunity to do that. And I was making a little more than minimum wage, but um, I, I just decided at that time, really, you know, just I wasn't making much money. So it was time to start building decks and, and fences on the side. So, like, it was the time where Craigslist first started and social media was kind of um, taking off. So I'd, you know, post pictures of my jobs and, you know, I was going to uh, working. I was going to college. (laughs) I was taking evening classes, and you know, I was just—it was just nonstop work, putting in grunt work just to just to get by and like try to make a comeback, basically. And uh, you know, then I decided to kind of go in 2000. I think it was like 2009. I decided to just jump in full time uh, with my business because it really just started taking off.
2: Can you hit me with WaveTop so? Years 2020. So from 2009 to when you committed and said, "I'm going to go for it," just hit yep. me wave tops with how your business has grown in the last eleven years.
0: Yes. So 2009 um, is when I started the business, but it was still I still had school going on and everything like that. I really didn't go full time full time until I would say 2011 2012 when my wife came on board too because she was working another job. Uh, She does the administrative part of things, but I would say 2000 everything's kind of a blur, you know, as far as dates go, but I'd say 2009 2010 is when I really started getting into uh, full time. And then, yeah, I start off with one or two jobs here and there. And then, um, you know, that person would tell a neighbor and then uh, I would post the work on social media on Facebook and I would get a call and it's just like one or two jobs here and there. Um, and it just it just grew like crazy. Right now, we're the biggest, uh, one of the top deck builders in the country, actually. Um, so it, we've definitely come a long way.
2: Hit hit me with just to kind of paint the picture, because I yeah. know you and how and how successful the business is. But just talk employees. Like, well, how many what, how many employees did you start with, and how many you got
0: now? I uh, started off with just me and one other guy, um, and then within the first year, we had a, you know two crews, so basically six or seven employees. And now we have seven to eight crews and in um, each crews, two or three men got, uh, you know, two or three guys on the, on the crew. So each year we've continuously just grown and grown and grown. Uh, I've been through a lot with, you know, dealing with employees. I mean, that's, that's definitely a hard, you know, been a, a struggle is finding good help. But, you know, now that I, when I find them, um, you know, I do everything I can to keep them and pay them well, you know, to keep, keep
3: growing. You know, Joe, the one thing I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind taking a step back, thinking about your, your Navy career, was there something that where you decided, I don't want to stay in the Navy anymore? You know, could you talk about that? And what made you decide to, uh, to get on the Navy? I know we're kind of backtracking a little bit, yeah, but that's yeah. something I'd like to know.
0: Yeah, when I was in the Navy, I, I kind of looked at it, you know, I was a bosun mate in the, in the Navy. Um, it's not, the, you know, it's kind of the, the grunt of the ship. I wanted to become a Navy CB builder at the time that that rate was pretty full. Um, and I wanted to go out and transfer to, um, you know, get stationed out in San Diego. I was at Norfolk at the time. and they just didn't really have any positions available. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to get out and go to college and and go do that, that thing. Looking back, I mean, the military was awesome. During the, when I was in, I was kind of the guy that was, you know, couldn't wait to get out kind of like high school, you know, you know, love, you know, hated it while I was in, but like looking back now, like I had a good time, great experience (laughs) and and that kind of thing. I, you know, I I was, you know, pretty stubborn at the time. And I guess I didn't want to shine my boots every single day for the, you know, for another four to eight more years. So, okay.
2: I guess I'm interested in asking you just knowing you and your personality, very social, very, very Adam, but having to take, what you've, got, what you've created in seven different crews. Can you just give me wavetops, you know, as a, as a business owner with something that you've grown, how is it different? Like, what is different from leadership that you learned in the military to the leadership, you know, CEO role that you have? And I ask this because one time I remember you having a stone layer, somebody that did stonework and he, he missed a job. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, in the military, you're, you're taught to sit them down and counsel them. And you said, well, it's a little bit different when it's your bottom line and you own the business. And I think you yeah. still did end up giving them a second chance. But can you just talk about, you know, as a leader of, of your own business, what you find to be most important as a leader?
0: Yeah, I think the most important thing as a leader really is the, you have to have a lot more patience <laughs> um, because I, I'm in an industry that, you know, I know. I'm getting a lot of guys that with maybe my same story or, you know, that decided not to go to school and, you know, they're getting all different kinds of guys that um, with different skill sets, you know, everybody says they can do everything, but um, I guess as a leader, my main thing, and I keep pushing on the guys is, you know, if we do the right thing, you know, nobody's going to really be able to compete with us. If we're constantly doing the right thing and getting better and improving, you know, who's going to compete against that? I mean, we're, we're in business to really build the best decks out there. We're not just a business to just get a job from a homeowner and just get it done for the, you know, for a quick buck. Like, you know, it's more than the money, you know, it's, it's definitely, you got to take pride in what you do. And I feel like as a leader, that's my job to kind of instill that in them and kind of set a vision for them and, you know, and have them buy into the system. I mean, you know, a lot of companies really just don't have a, a good system or a vision for their company. And if you can get guys to buy in on that, they're going to be right there with you working as hard as they can to try to get you to that point. And I feel like that's been, you know, a major uh, blessing to us is that we've been able to have guys that have stuck around and been with us and, and we've been through the hard stuff and I have given them second chances and they're working for me again. You know, they've left for you know, six months to go work somewhere else and they always come right back. You know, we're always focused on, you know qualities so i've had guys that leave and come back and say well the other company didn't care about quality at all that's why i wanted to come back so that makes me feel good when i hear that and i, I think as a leader that you know in, at the end of the day even if they leave my company i still want them if they need a deck built i want them to hire us to build the deck or at least want to yeah absolutely so i think specifically in the military
2: uh, at least definitely on the officer side when we talk about command they preach a lot that the commander is in charge of the culture of the unit. You know, there's a lot of different things, details that other people have a lot of factors in, but the one thing that a leader is in charge of or it should set the tone for is culture. And I kind of felt yeah. like I heard you saying that, you said it in some different terms, vision statement, you know, taking yeah. pride in what you do. But to me, that all kind of ties back to the culture and it sounds like you know that that's not easy to do either like that that's maybe
0: easier said than done and I'll be honest with you Stu I mean there's times where I'm I'm just not good good at that my I'm on a totally different focus so I had to hire an operations manager someone that is good at that you know so sometimes you can't do everything by yourself or sometimes you just need a change in culture like you said and and put a little different spice to it and, and and hire where I suck, really. I mean, I had to bring in an operations manager to to help out uh, with that. And, you know, that, that's that been a, um, you know, a very positive thing for our business.
3: Well, Joe, what would you say is, has been the best way that you found to instill your company values in the, the employees that you've hired? Into the employees that we fired? hired? No, that you've hired. Like, how do you... Oh. Because you talk about, you know, you, yeah. like,
1: uh, <laughs> no, no, like
3: but you're talking about, you know, instilling the values of, uh, of your yeah. company, you know, into the employees and, and the employees that, you know, come back to work for you.
0: Yeah. It's really just
3: about doing the right thing. You know, like
0: when you build a deck, it's easy to, to kind of, um, there's things that you can hide that people don't know about. Like doing the right thing means doing the right thing when no one can see, you know, from my experience, when I got in trouble and, and, and faced that. It was because I didn't do the right thing. I mean, now today paying our taxes, being totally legit. I mean, all that's, they can't, you can't, you know, you can't fail necessarily if you're always doing the right things. our competitors might not be doing the right things, but if we're always doing the right things, you know, we're going to be successful. And, you know, I just, you know, I try to instill that in the guys as much as I can. I mean, some uh, installers might have uh, a little different take on things, but, you know, they, at least they know where I stand.
2: Joe, I, I promise I have not thought about this until this moment, but you just said in de- in decking, sometimes there's things that you can hide that people don't know about. You know, you got it at integrity. But this is just a random story. On my 21st birthday, do you remember <laughs> my Mount Lookout house and we had kegs over there? The yes. deck actually <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that, and you—you yeah. you make decks right now. So whoever made that deck obviously was hiding <laughs> things and lacked integrity.
0: Yes, exactly. I, mean, that's, <laughs> I do remember that. That was crazy. Oh man. <laughs>
3: um, all right. Is it, uh, is it possible maybe that deck was overloaded with uh, too many beer people? <laughs> you <Yeah, laughs> think about
0: that? I don't think the loads were designed for kegs and. Uh, <laughs> about 300 people
2: there all right um joe talk to me you know just from an entrepreneurial standpoint so you Mm -hmm. you know you started the decking thing started taking photos and i found that you've really exploited social media and you kind of referred to that when you said craigslist and then social media was just starting but you know really Mm -hmm. having no you know social media training if you will i feel like you've grown a you know six figure, uh, high six figure uh, netting company based on your ability to sell and use social media as a tool. Can you just talk about how you've refined that process?
0: Yeah. I mean, with social media these days, I mean, I don't know where I'd be without it. Honestly. I mean, I haven't like for the first, you know, five years, I didn't pay a dime for advertisement. It was literally just social media and work and word of mouth, you know, you know, clients telling other people but social media is is where it's at and the ability to take photos of our work and promote that i mean that's that's the cheapest form of advertising you can do you can engage with people so you're automatically gaining their trust by if they if they feel like they've seen your work maybe if they feel like they get to know you a little bit by your personality if you do like a video on there i'm terrible at videos so we're trying to work on getting better at that but like social media is where it's at and it's constantly changing. Now it's Instagram or, you know, it's, it's always a constant different platform. But I think as a business owner, you really have to be able to keep up with, you know, what's trending and, and, and really use that in your benefit. I mean, you're you're kind of crazy not to, I mean, when, when I first started, I, I will tell you, it was always my like dream when I first started my business to like get an ad in the yellow pages. And so I spent like a hundred a few hundred bucks to have our name listed in the yellow pages. The dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> been, but it was just me being stubborn. Like I had to I, I didn't feel like I was a legit business until I had my like business in the yellow pages. But you know, there's you can waste a ton of money on on advertising and um, or you can really just try to um, really get into social media and really you get almost I have like fans. It's it's kind of crazy like that follow us other deck builders are constantly across the country now follow us um and comment and it's it's pretty crazy how how far we've you know come because of social media i mean
2: do you pay for social media advertising show or do you just drop photos
0: a couple i just drop photos and and that kind of thing we've done a couple of boosts like last year i did a couple of boosts but i just didn't really see it really that beneficial Um, when you can do a video and get, I think I feel like Facebook and Instagram kind of controls who can see what, so that, that kind of, you know, um, so I just do it organically. I have a good website um, that I manage and, and designed and everything like that, and it's all just trial and error. I mean, really, if it's working, it's going to be different for every business, too. I mean, for what I do, people like to see it. They want what their neighbors have. Um, it gives them ideas, you know, so for us visuals of our, you know, of our work, you know, that's what really, you know, engages the audience.
3: Well, hey, Joe, can you, do you mind talking about that for a little bit? I, am curious <laughs> to know, um, what platforms you're using and how you decide where to devote your marketing efforts. And yeah. I think the reason I want to ask that is there are so many social media platforms out there today. And. <laughs> the preference of the day seems to change by the hour. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I'd like to know how someone could, how you could help someone decide where to focus their time. And if they're, if they are spending money on ads, you know, how do you determine what is the most bang for the buck in the platform that you choose to advertise on?
0: Yeah. Uh, Brian a very good question um, on, you know, on Facebook. And there's a lot of analytics and uh, that you can go to, to kind of, you know, find out who that ads reaching or or targeting, you can actually put in um, who you're targeting, um, you know, based on what their interests are and stuff like that. Google AdWords, and it's gonna, it can tell you, you know, what, you know, what audiences you are reaching. Um, Instagram, uh, Facebook are probably the two most popular that we use. I know TikTok's getting pretty popular. YouTube's a big one as, as well. Um, but like I said, I don't really do too much of the video uh, advertising yet. So we are looking to get into that more. But uh, for us, it's just been mostly Facebook and, and Instagram platforms.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I found with my model, it, in, it, when you really start to dissect social media, so Instagram, they say, if it's going to be a video, it needs to be like five seconds or less. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a video on YouTube is going to be much longer, you know? So it's almost like yeah. you, the, if you get into the videos, you have to yeah. tailor the video to the platform and it just, it gets very complicated.
0: It, it does. And so I just try to do a little bit of, you know, kind of try to diversify and have a little bit here, a little bit there and a little bit yeah. there. And, uh, it seems to be working here. I mean, plus, you know, at the time when we were starting to get into social media, like TV started becoming real big, um, you know? So like it was different from years past where it's like, Oh, you're just putting it now. It's, we're just, we're building outdoor living spaces versus like just slapping up a deck for somebody, you know, you're creating a whole room an outdoor living space that, you know, people are spending some serious money on. So, um, you know, it's, it's been crazy joe i i got a
2: question for you so i heard you say like you know between 2009 2011 is really where you came strong at this and that was really right after the last recession a lot of uncertainty right now in COVID, and and decks are are, i don't want to say um an amenity because if you got a deck that's unsafe you're probably still going to put some money on it but it's probably not as recession proof as some things so how in your model you know you got seven crews How do you stack cash to stay liquid uh, that you don't over leverage so that if there is a slowdown, you can continue to manage?
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's important, I think to build your business up to where you can actually get a a line of credit as a backup. Um, We had one, like right now, there's a lumber crisis going on. Like there's such a demand for outdoor living spaces because everybody's stuck at home. All their vacations are canceled. I mean, we're booking, you know, for spring next year. I mean, we're we're already booked for this entire season. And I feel like, you know, when things happen like COVID and, you know, it's that emergency funds. You gotta have an emergency emergency fund to where if if lumber's running short, I'm able to go out and buy a truckload of it on the spot and just and store it here at my shop location. So I mean I've been blessed where we bought it now own quite a bit of commercial property and we're able to store, um, you know, materials here when, when we hit those tough times. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, you definitely have to, I would say, prepare, you know, plan for the, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Have you, now you said it, you're, you're booked out until spring. Have you made any, changes during, um, I guess, have made any concrete changes during the the coronavirus? I mean, have you added more crews or are you just kind of anticipating that this is a temporary slump? How have you kind of dealt with the increase in business?
0: Yeah, we we did just add uh, one crew. Um, We're kind of hesitant to add crews. It's kind of, I'm all about growing, but I also want to stop sometimes and, and get better before we grow. So I always feel like there's been, the like growth and then, okay, time out. Now we need to get better and then grow. Cause I mean, we've definitely felt our growing pains and, you know, I think, I feel like you can grow too fast and that can be a problem. If I, if we can't take care of our customers and, and still run our smooth, you know, our process uh, we're just not giving them the, the experience that, the, you know, that they're paying for. So I, we have added to it, but and we could add 10 more crews right now and, and, and you know, and still keep everyone busy. But, at the same time, it, you know, it's not smart to do that all the time. You can't just always right. think growth, 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 at least in
3: our industry. You got you to gotta be able to have managed growth. Uh, I think that's a good point. And do you mind, I guess, do you mind sharing a little more your, your thought process and how someone um, kind of in a similar position, you know, how would someone judge what the proper amount of growth is, you know, versus I just need to grow, grow, grow and take advantage of all this business today, right now, you know? Is there a formula you use or, you know, how do you, how do you determine what's the the right amount of growth?
0: I don't have a particular, you know, formula that we use. I mean, I guess we try to be able to keep up with demand. Um, I don't like to be too far, you know, book too far out. I feel like we're going to lose a lot of, you know, clients, um, you know, potential buyers if we're too far out. Um, So I used to kind of have a rule of, hey, if we're three to four months out, that's getting a little bit you know, it's too long of a wait to have us build. They're gonna go use a competitor that, you know, might be two and a half months out. So um, I've kind of gauged it on that. I don't have like a formula, but I've, I've kind of gauged it on, you know, I was always worried about, you know, homeowners waiting too long for us to have them build. If someone's ready to spend 50 to $80,000 in their backyard, you're not looking to wait a half a season or a year to spend that money. You're looking to have that done as, as quickly as possible
2: so okay. do you still do rock or do you just do, do the wood deck?
0: We hardly ever do wood anymore. It's mostly uh, low-maintenance composite material. We do a lot of uh, concrete patios, roof structures. We do um, outdoor kitchens. Uh, so pretty much the whole backyard. The only thing I don't do is landscaping, and we have a landscaper we work with that comes in behind us and, you know, landscape it up. But we pretty much do all the construction
3: side of Pretty much anything outdoor living. Right on. That's awesome. And that, correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds like a a pretty big departure from when you first started, you know, where you were just doing primarily decks. Is that right? Yeah, decks and fences.
0: And then I met a guy, Mike, who, uh, you know, he did, he worked for a landscape company and I hired him and he did pavers, uh, paver patios. So a lot of deck projects, uh, you know, a lot of homeowners are wanting like a deck down to a patio. So it was perfect to kind of add that into, you know, as an option and, uh, and then met a great, you know, concrete guys that, you know, so it's just, it's just kind of continuously got uh, bigger and and better and offer more to our clients, um, you know, based on, you know, the trends of everybody wanting to, you know, make their backyard like an extension of their home. Well,
2: Joe, as you add all these different people and all these crews, can you just talk to us about what professional services you've outsourced and just kind of the priority that you think in terms of importance, like like insurance agents, lawyers, accountants, like what are the things that you've had to seek people out and, and just having this huge crew, what do you find to be the most important?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. And actually, when I first started, I tried to do everything. And that was probably, you know, the biggest mistake I made, but I didn't have money to like the first year I didn't hire an accountant, you know, but once we started growing um, you have to be able to hire people where, where you suck, you know, basically, I mean, I'm not good at it. I'm not an accountant. So I had to hire an accountant. And at first I thought I wasn't going to be able to afford him, but now he, he helps us, you know, he he pays for himself by all the things he can do to kind of save us and give us advice and, and things to do. Um I hired an office, um, you know, office staff, someone that answers the phones. I was terrible at answering the phones. When i during the day when I'm with clients, you know, I can't answer my phone when I'm with somebody. So, you know, one of the complaints that I would get is you guys are really hard to get a hold of. Well, I knew I had to change that. And you know, that's a lot of times the first impression of our business is, you know, when someone's calling, you know, besides the website, that gains you trust. But really that, that first initial phone call, you've got to have somebody that answers the phone. Um, you know, we have online, um, things that we purchase as, as far as like a project management, you know, I think there's a lot of software and apps out there that can really help, you know, kind of keep things organized or else, um, I don't know where I'd be without, you know, a lot of the awesome tools that are out there on the market these days, but you have to be willing to spend the money, even though you think things are tight. You know to make your business a little bit better i mean you're constantly investing in it to make it better uh and it will pay off
2: yeah so how you just said constantly investing so as an entrepreneur you know i I think now it's a little bit easier but in the beginning you know how much money were you taking out to survive off of advice reinvesting in and how did you find that balance
0: i think the first few years i don't even know if i made much money i I didn't make much money at all really yeah Everything yeah, exactly. went back. Everything went back into into the business. Luckily, uh, because I had gotten in, in trouble and, and I always call it, me and my wife call it my vacation. I went away for nine months. Uh, while I was on my vacation, you know, we were used to living on one income. So when I'd start my business, um, you know, and I'd get those first, you know, 10 jobs or whatever, I would put that money back into buying tools and, and buying equipment and, and stuff like that. And you know, without doing that, I don't know, you know, where I'd be. I, I guaranteed I wouldn't have been able to go to the bank to get a loan. Um, they would have laughed at me. So um, it, it's real hard to get money from the banks. So you, you kind of have to find uh, other resources like our commercial property. Um, I didn't even have to go through to a bank to, uh, to, to get our commercial property. I, we did an owner finance deal with the, the owners of the property and, and having a location or a shop was huge for us. Um, but I just had to, to figure out ways to still make things happen when, you know, when the answer would be no, you just got to be stubborn and, 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 <laughs> and uh, fight for what you need, really.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think a lot of people when you talk about entrepreneurs understand, you know, how long it takes to make not only a model profitable, but for the owner to be drawing money that they can sustain on, like, just okay. like you said you know, you had the wife that was basically the sole income winner for the first probably five years until the thing was, you know, feeding itself enough that you were able to to take some out.
0: Absolutely. Like the first few years, it was like that. I didn't, and then I started paying myself a salary and I still do. Um, I I pay myself a salary and, uh, you know, that, that, I did that probably year four, I would say. Um, And, you know, you know that's been very helpful and that that's the advice from the accountant too that's the kind of stuff that he's going to get you set up with and that's the, you know you know definitely separating your your personal from your business that was a struggle the first year you know Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. you know so I, i've learned as i went no one taught me how to do this they don't teach us in schools unfortunately so everything that i've done i've had to learn the hard way you just have to be good at like if you're making mistakes, you got to be good at quick you know fixing it quick. I mean, you, you can't let a lot of time go by when you're making mistakes, especially if it's costing you money. Joe, you just mentioned,
2: you know, um, making mistakes. And I guess my point, I want to go to education. And and I've yeah. seen on social media your son um, selling t-shirts and you kind of being his advocate teaching him those entrepreneurial skills, which I think is awesome. I actually just did the same thing with my youngest, I did a Gatorade stand. You talked to me (laughs) about uh, education, the higher education system. So with your kids, would you push them to college? And you said, you know, our higher level education doesn't necessarily teach us the skills that we need. And I agree with that wholeheartedly you know, you know, we go to college and then we get out and we think, all right, what do we do now? I, I mean, I yeah. didn't know what to do. I was delivering pizzas when you were living with me in Norfolk after I graduated college. Cause I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I got, the, I checked the box now. what, Right. Um, yeah. what, what advice would you give your kids based on the success that you've had?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I don't expect my kids to even follow in my, in my footsteps. I'm going to let him kind of do what he wants to do. He's definitely has an entrepreneurship spirit. Um, definitely, you know, gets obsessed, I would say over, you know, what he's doing. He's making t-shirts and selling them online. He also builds computers. I mean, he's always, he's making money online at, you know, 12 years old, which is pretty incredible. Um, you know, if he decided he didn't want to go to college, I I would support him in that. You know, I, I do think college is good. You learn a lot in high school, you learn a lot in college, but it isn't for everybody. You know, I guess that's for him to kind of decide, um, I I do think that the schools really just set you up for, you know, to go work in a factory somewhere um, or to go work for somebody else. And and my whole thing is you're either gonna, you know, work for yourself, you know, work towards someone else's dreams or you can go work for your own dreams. I mean, some people just don't have the drive and they're fine with just getting a a paycheck and they're fine with just getting, you know, their three vacations a year. And then some people just aren't satisfied with that. And it takes a different breed. But I think that, you know, everybody's different when it comes to it. I don't want to say school's bad, but I mean, to start off in life with a lot of debt it might not be good in everybody's situation either.
3: Yeah. I think that's a good point. If someone's deciding whether or not to go to college. And I think that often gets overlooked because the, the availability of, of school loans and how easy it is to get into debt. I think, I think too many people, Oh, I'll just pay it off later. I'll pay it off later. And they don't realize the cost of that money, you know, it, they have to pay that money back obviously, but if they were to take that money and invest directly in themselves or in a business, I, I think most people would be better suited investing in a business or even in a retirement account, as opposed to just dumping it into a college. Uh, oh, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and, and that, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but that school debt, you cannot get out from under it no matter what it is exactly. tied to you forever. Yeah, and or you can I make a
0: ton of money being in the trades. I mean, there's a lot, a lot yeah. of other options. I mean, even getting out of the military, I mean, the, the GI Bill's great, but are you holding yourself back four years from going out and learning a trade that you could, you know what I mean? Like, if you have the GI Bill, that's amazing. You're not getting the debt. So in that right. case, why not get the education? It might lead to other opportunities. That's why everybody's situation is a little different, but some people's school's just not their thing, you know? I mean- You get out of the military, you think, hey, maybe I'll try this school thing. It's like you can't give up. There's tons of ways these days to make money. You can make money sitting on your couch on the internet these days. Exactly. There's ways to do it. You just have to hustle to go get it if you really
3: want it. No, I I totally agree. And I think the point that we always try to get across is that, you know, especially now, the the future is changing so fast and the job market and the economy is changing, you know, so fast that. What a lot of people really need to consider is even if you have the GI Bill, even if you plan on going to college for free in a sense, is that career you're planning for going to exist in 10 years? You yeah, know, are you be essential? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so you really have to think this through and, and I think just like you were talking about with your kids, I think that's a huge point. Even if even if you don't make a career out of it, but knowing how to start a business, even if it's selling t-shirts or even if it's, you know, selling lemonade or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm just the idea of knowing how to create multiple streams of income is is huge because that way if if something fails you have something else to fall back on and you know how to get it started and you get accustomed to business and you get accustomed to all those little minor things and the next time it's easier and the next time after that it's even easier yeah. um, so I, I think that's I really agree with everything you're saying it's, it's awesome to hear and I'm, I'm glad you're you're teaching your kids the same thing I'm I'm trying to do the same thing with my own kids. So they understand that that same point is that it, it's out there. You just got to go grab it and you really can't rely on on other people. You can't rely on the school system to, to give you a degree and then, you know, hand you a job. It's, yeah. you know, the economy is at a point now where it's like no one's going to hand you anything, but if you want it, if you want it, it's out there. You just got to find it yourself. You know, yeah. I, I think that's, you got to
0: be aggressive. I think being yeah. aggressive, um, you know, opportunities, if you're aggressive and you work hard, there's gonna be opportunities for you, but you have to be aggressive. You can't sit back and expect things to kind of, you know, fall into your lap. I mean, that might happen to some people, but it's not gonna happen to me. You gotta be aggressive, you gotta go get it. You got, you know, I, I grew up in sports. So, I mean, to me, you know, I was kind of instilled in, you know, working hard, uh, being, you know, part of a team. I, I think sports and military, it all just kind of lined up to, you know, to who I am, to, you know, where I'm at today. Um, but I like your, I, you know, your, what you said about, you know, diversifying you, I can't rely on even my business right now, you know, yes, the market's great right now, but what happens in 10 years if it's not, I mean, right. so even I have to start thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm doing a little bit in real estate and stuff and investments there. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you can't have just one thing. I, I
3: think you got to have multiple different streams. Well, I totally agree. And and I think one of the things that, that really struck me with what you said is, you know, you, you said there's a, a shortage of lumber, you know, and that's, that to me seems kind of odd. Um,
0: well, yeah, it's like the TP crisis. That was real odd. Now well, if you thought
3: that was <laughs> weird, like this lumber shortage is like worse than the TP shortage. I don't It's crazy. Well, exactly. And that, that's kind of my point is that, you know, like we're talking about being prepared and, and diversifying, you know, six months ago, I don't think anybody would have anticipated the world shutting down. And not only are we dealing with, you know, the coronavirus now and all the yeah. after effects of that, but now these weird things that are popping up, like a shortage of, of coins, a shortage of toilet paper, a shortage of, um, you know, like you said, lumber, you know, you have to prepare for these things. You have to prepare for the unexpected. And I know that's hard to do, but, yeah. you know, the, the more you can prepare the, the better off you're going to be because I, exactly. I hate, I hate to say it, but I think, as we go forward in the future, I think disruptions like this are only going to become more common and they're going to be, I think they're going to come quicker and I think they're going to be more unpredictable. And that's not, you know, a political statement or anything like that. I just think the world we live in is becoming increasingly, um, hectic. (laughs) So you have to protect. I agree. In
0: 2019, we had a nice, you know, good business plan for 2020 and, uh, that's out the window. It's kind of like let's just uh, see what this <laughs> this day is bringing us, and we're just going to battle through each day. I mean, it, it's pretty much um, this year has definitely been crazy.
3: Yeah, and that I bet that's an interesting challenge. You know, like you said, you have more business than you know. You're pushed out to, to spring, but you don't have the raw materials to to carry out some of that business. Uh, that I bet that's a problem you never expected. Do you mind? <laughs> it, it's that's,
0: definitely. Yeah, it's
2: definitely
3: something
0: I never expected. Hey Joe, I got—I I, want to shift
2: gears a little bit, and you know, this is just something that I probably won't have the opportunity to ask another guest. But a lot of people that become entrepreneurs do so around their hometown for a lot of different reasons, and I think yours is a very inspirational one. You know, there's a you were, you are real smart, but didn't necessarily make it all the way through the end of college had your military education as a a strength that taught you hard work. You you mentioned sports as well. But the the question I have, when I graduated college, I had to get out of Cincinnati because I was hanging out with the same group from high school and college. And I just moved away because you end up becoming some of the people that you hang out with. And we were both hanging out with a group that essentially just like to party all the time. And Mm -hmm. what you did was you went back to that town. And so my question is, how did you start a business and throw in the work ethic and all the things that you needed to do while still surrounded by the habits and old people that may not have necessarily been conducive to everything that you wanted to do with this new business. And I'm sure there's a lot of entrepreneurs in hometowns that probably struggle with the same thing. You know, you're trying to do something different with your life, but you're still Mm -hmm. surrounded by all these past things. How did you kind of rise above that?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a challenge. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in Anderson, but I, I lived 30 minutes away. So it was easy to get a, a little bit away. Um, but word of mouth helped. I mean, those people would still talk about, hey, Joe's got a deck business. I mean, so it, it landed me jobs. Uh, I've had, you know, guys work for me that were some of the some of those guys that worked that you know, um, that we partied with and stuff like that. So for me, it helped because people knew who I was. Um, you know, maybe talked about, you know, what I was doing. So, um, referrals, if somebody was looking for a deck or a fence or anything like that, they might give them a, um, you know, a referral. If I would have gone to a a city where I didn't know anybody, it's a little harder to network, you know, versus where I grew up, kind of, I had a lot of connections and and knew a lot of people. Uh, for me, that helped. Um, there are times where I'm like, why am I still living in, in Cincinnati where I grew up here? But, um, for me, it's helped. I mean, we are looking to franchise, um, our, our business soon. Uh, so those are kind of in the, in the plans and in the works, but like I said, there's some things that we have to do to get better at and, you know, come up with good, better processes to be able to, to grow like that. But, um, for me, it actually helped being, um, from Cincinnati, you know, I, I knew the area, um, I knew what neighborhoods were good. I knew, you know, things like that. So for me it helps and for everybody it might not, but for me it just worked.
2: Yeah. It's a good perspective, man.
3: Uh, I just want to add something to that. If you don't mind, Stu, you know, yeah. you're talking about kind of getting out of, you know, a group of people that maybe aren't healthy for you. And I can tell you, I've kind of been in a, a similar situation, you know, at least with my, my current job. Um, you know, I'm, when I go to work, I'm surrounded by people that, basically see it as a paycheck and they have no desire to do anything outside of the absolute, you know, bare minimum. And, and that can be a real kind of depressing environment, but you know, like the, the theme of the show, there's so much opportunity out there for you to surround yourself with like-minded people where you don't even necessarily have to leave your home or your, your hometown or, you know, even the state for that matter. Uh, for me personally, like between podcasts and audiobooks and just the different networking, you know, sites that are out there, you know, for someone that is trying to improve the people they surround themselves with, you don't necessarily have to physically do it. It, it, it helps, but mm-hmm. don't get discouraged if you're in a position where you can't change your physical location because the, the tools are out there. Mm-hmm. And had it not been for the podcast and the books that I've listened to and everything else, my mindset wouldn't be nearly what it is today. So, you know, I agree with you that, you know, you, you definitely want to, if you can, you know, change the people you're around with because it, you do become the average of the people that you surround yourself with, but there are different ways to do it. Uh, yeah. And the, the tools are out there. So if it makes and you're sense. You're always going to
0: meet new people. Yeah. The tools are going to be there. You're always going to meet new people. I mean, I'm still friends with, uh, you know, a lot of those guys that, you know, I grew up with, but you know, I think their lives have changed too. I mean, now they have kids and families and stuff like that. And so, you know, they do, people do change, uh, things do change, and you meet new people and new connections and, and networking and all that. Just it helps, you know. The, the more you can network and get the word out, because that's that's the cheapest advertising is when people are talking about uh, your 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 business and the work that they, you've done for them. I mean that's, you know, to me that that's very important. It's, it's money I don't have to spend on advertising. You know, our customers are our biggest, uh,
3: you know, sales sales reps. <laughs> Uh, that's great to hear. If you don't mind me asking, like, how big of a uh, territory you know do you guys cover? How how far do you do you reach out from where you're located?
0: Yes, yeah, so we service about a 25 mile radius. So not even that big, but the market oh, wow. here is huge. I mean, it's it's definitely a they're putting up neighborhoods left and right. So I mean, every single one of those neighborhoods, you know, they come with like a little builder deck, uh, like a little four by four platform with steps going down. So and nobody likes to maintain anything. So we've kind of um created a brand and image here of we kind of specialize in like low maintenance material nobody wants to go out and stain a wood deck or doing like that so we're um really specializing in low maintenance composite decks uh, uh,
3: very cool
2: hey joe did you i mean this is completely off topic but did you buy shoemaker a truck
3: well i didn't buy him one personally the business
0: bought one and he drives it <laughs> <laughs> My brother was visiting me and told me his
2: Shoemaker's working for you now, and you, you lured him with a truck.
0: Nope. So, he is our operations manager, and um, he needs He to was working,
2: I, 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 get, I mean, for, relevant for the whole audience. So, this is a guy who's yeah. very smart that was working in a hospital, and I thought was going to work at, in the hospital until retirement, yeah. and then the, the reason I bring this up there. is because you lured him over to your company. And I mean, yep. what a, what a resource. And, and, and it's I it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: No. So yeah, I, I was not good at managing the everyday, uh, operations of things. I need to hire someone in here. I need someone I could trust. I've had managers in the past where it's like, you know, I, I just needed someone I can really trust that I'd feel comfortable with. And I knew he had management experience. He worked at children's hospital for 15 years in project management. So I knew if I could bring him onto our company, um, I pay him well. Yeah, he's got a company truck because he's got to be able to go to different job sites and stuff like that. But um, it's really taken our business to the next level. Now it took, it's it's taking time to get him to understand the construction side of things. But if you got someone with a good attitude, that's smart, that catches on quick, and he's got your best interest at heart, like that's a partner that you need in your business and, and until you find that you, you can't do everything on your own so you need to be able to hire people like that and you might have to go through five or ten guys to get that one person that you've been looking for but you can't give up and you know i've been very blessed to have him on board and you know I, at first a little hesitant to hire somebody that you know i know because you know if i hire someone i'm going to be able to fire them you know so i just told him from day one you know bringing someone on board you know that that was the case. Like, hey, I'm not gonna feel. You know, don't take it personal. It is just business. But you know, we love him. I mean, he, he's like family to us, and it's it's been very helpful for us.
3: What have uh, what have been some of the challenges that you faced? You know, hiring employees and how do you do? You have a, a screening process, or you know, what do you look for when you're when you're looking at a prospective employee?
0: Yeah, I mean, I used to have a um, a lot more employees. I kind of now what we do is we use a lot of subcontractors, but they may basically have their own truck, their own tool, but they're pretty much committed to all decked out. Okay. Um, you know, so we do have both employees and subcontractors because the subcontractors, I don't have to worry about if they want to come in at seven thirty for the day. And you know, they're 15 minutes late. I don't have to write them up. I feel like if they're a grown man, they're going to have their own tools, their own truck, right? You know, they're going to want to be their own boss employees. You know, the main thing I look for is attitude. Really? I can, teach anybody as long as they have common sense i can we can kind of teach them anything we feel like but you can't change someone that has a bad attitude um that's not wanting to get ahead in life you know i've had a lot of employees that didn't have a driver's license i'm like what what do you mean you don't have a driver's license you're like a grown man you don't have a driver's license like those are the guys that i'm done with you know um that i won't hire anymore i'm just you know if you if you're not going to have your life together you're not going to be a good asset to this company and want to see this business succeed. You know, if you can't be successful in your personal life, you're not going to be successful, you know, with helping our our company get there. And I always kind of, you know, tell the guys too. it. It's not just my business. This is our business that we're all trying to get to a certain point so that, you know, we have, you know, a mission and a vision for the company. We're all fighting to try to get it there every day is a a challenge, but um, attitude is the most important thing that I look for.
3: Interesting. Okay.
2: Well, Jill. Hey, um, you know, we got like final ten minutes. Can you talk about uh, if there was a aspiring young man or woman who's had some ups and downs, but they're smart, they're willing to, to work hard. What would you recommend to them as a aspiring entrepreneur?
0: I would say you know you can't be afraid to uh, to risk it. I mean if you're at the bottom already, I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, you know, it's not like you're jumping away from something that that's successful, you know? So if, if you're at the bottom and, 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 you know, you're willing to put the work in, what I will say is it's not, a lot of people think, Oh, you're in your business. That might, must be nice. You can, they must think I'm like at the golf course every day or something like that. But, um, it's not, I, I work probably twice as many hours than my employees do or anything like yeah. that. I mean, I'll, always kid around and say I I work 80 you know so I don't have to work 40 for someone else I mean that's kind of the the whole thing so if you're not willing to put in the work and work harder than everybody else in the business I I don't know if it's for you if you're willing to put in the work and you have a, a you know a passion you gotta have a passion for it um I don't see how you can fail I mean really
2: yeah no that's that's all goodness I think oftentimes People see opportunities, but they don't do anything about it because it is disguised with a lot of hard work. And I think that that's bar none. The one thing that is the barrier to a lot of people is there is no such thing as a easy endeavor when it comes to the entrepreneurial field and everything is just a lot of hard work. It is. Yeah, especially in the beginning when you're not making any money and you're putting all that hard work, you know, yeah. and you, you add in responsibilities of life, you know, spouse, kids, or, or whatever it is, just rent. Yeah. And it, you very quickly can say, this isn't for me. So, yeah, I completely concur.
0: And I've had guys that, you know, work for me, they, they think you're making all this money, and they don't know, like, like you're getting paid before I get paid. Like, yeah. you know, they, they think you're just made of money. It's like, you don't even have, you know, and they're complaining about their little 35 40 hours they're they're working it's like some of them don't see the, the the work that's put in they don't need to that's fine you know as a business owner you know you're you know you take all the crap really for for, for that and you can't let it affect you you just gotta keep doing you and, and and not to let those things bother you but you know some people see all the only see the good stuff on Facebook on social media you only see the good stuff People don't see the everyday struggle that we have um, of the shipment not showing up and the wrong materials sent out to the job site. Um, you know, one guy didn't show up or, I mean, they don't see the everyday struggle, but every day, literally, I feel like is a battle or a struggle and you have to just battle each day and, and do the right thing. I mean, that's really, um, people only see the good stuff, you know, but it, it's not always good. And so, you know, it will have a
2: payoff, but you know it t- takes time. Yeah, I, I, I 100% subscribe to everything you just said. My opinion is that hard work is the attribute that overshadows everything else. And I feel like oftentimes, when we were talking about education earlier, uh, intelligence is highlighted as this is gonna be the key to a successful person. And you need to be educated and smart up to a certain point but I am just astounded by so many intelligent people that don't do anything and don't accomplish anything because they're not willing to put out the hard work. Like education and intelligence is only good up to the point of what you're willing to do with it. And to your point, every single day is a struggle because you're having to break through barriers, you know, the wrong supplies going to the job site. How are you as a competitor? You brought up competitor earlier, willing to fight and put in the work to bring Mm -hmm. the thing to success.
0: Yeah. I used to stay up till two o'clock in the morning knowing darn well on a Friday night that my competitors are probably sleeping or they're out at a bar or, you know, I was like, nobody's up right now working to improve their business. Like unless they're absolutely crazy. I mean, you know,
3: <laughs> so, totally agree. It's awesome. Brian, you you want to close with anything? I think we see a lot of recurring themes. You know, I think networking is, is a big part of uh, Joe's success. You know, I think, um, education in the sense of learning what you don't know, you know, not necessarily going for, you know, the big degrees on the wall, you know, it, mm. education can mean a lot of things, but uh, education for a purpose, I think is, is what we're talking about. You know, you educate yourself for the things that you're trying to do, not necessarily just to say, Oh, I have a degree or I, you know, I went to this school or, you know, whatnot, um, you know, and just preparing, you know, preparing for um, all the different uh Adversities you might come across and the, and the things you don't expect. I mean, I, I think this has been great. You know, I think it's a great story.
2: Yeah. yeah so, it, Joe, Joe Hagen, all decked out. You can check out his website. Uh, Joe, plug the website.
0: www.alldeckedout513.com.
2: Awesome. Yeah, Got Joe. It. Joe, you're my hero, man. You, uh, you know, you're we're at the we're at the bottom there for a minute, and just through gritting your teeth, working until two in the morning and, and refusing to quit. Probably going to be one of the biggest deck building companies in the nation. Great story. Uh, and I'm really ex- glad that we got to talk to you about it. I think you're going to get to inspire a lot of people with this episode. So thanks, brother. You got you got any other plugs you want to do here at the end?
0: No, I just uh, really appreciate uh, you having me on. It's been awesome. And, uh, yeah, congrats to all your success as well, Stu. All right. We're, sure gonna have to, have to we're gonna have
2: to we're gonna have to hang out sometime in the sure. in the future. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. All right, buddy. We'll be in touch. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. All right. Yeah. Bye everybody.